Good morning, Merry Christmas. I want to say thank you to all the music people. You know, they do a lot of work during this time of the year, and I sure appreciate it, don't you? <clears throat> I'm really excited to be with you today. I'm really excited to have the opportunity to preach the Word of God to you. Um, I titled this message, Christmas is Coming, I Can't Sleep because that is what always happens to me, and last night was no exception. Although I was awake last night for different reasons, because I was thinking about the service yesterday, last night. How many of you were here last night? A lot of you. And I made a, I made a, a kind of an off-the-cuff comment from memory. I said that Christmas only falls on Sunday three times, in the next 38 years. At 2 o'clock in the morning, I was questioning my accuracy because <laughs> I did it from memory. So I reached over and grabbed my phone, my little dog who snuggles up to me and was looking at me like, what are you doing? And I told him, whose, his name is Rambo, I said, Rambo, I got to check this. So here I am on my phone checking the accuracy of my statement because I thought it's got to be wrong. And it was. Christmas falls on Sunday four times in the next 34 years. And now I feel better. <laughs> That's assuming I read it correctly, because I didn't have my glasses on. <laughs> but I do want to say, I made the comment, the point that I was trying to make last night was, Christmas doesn't fall on Sunday, our day of worship, very often. And I just want to say I'm glad you're here. And this is where you should be this morning. And maybe you changed your typical Christmas plans to be here this morning, and I think God will bless you as a result. So thank you for being here. You know, I love Christmas. That's why it's hard for me to sleep during the Christmas season. And I love everything about Christmas. I love the Christmas cards. I love getting them. I wanted to show you the very first card I got this year. Evelyn Elliott, this is her first Christmas, and that's the very first card that I've got. I love the pictures. I love the different cards I get. These are just a few of the ones that I've received this year. I love seeing families grow and change. You know, cards have changed over the years now with with technology and all of that, we can, we can get um, these pictures, and I love getting them. I received a lot more, but this was, I put this together um, a few weeks back, and I've gotten a lot more since. Of course, I love getting my families. This is Nikki and her um, husband, Zach, and their family, and of course, Sharice and Dave and their family. I love getting them. I put them in a little in a little thing on the door, and at the end of the year, I, I mean, at the end of Christmas, like, I'll take them out and look at them again. I love the food. <laughs> and the family gatherings are special, maybe just a bit sinful. I love movies. I watch them almost every year. One of my favorite is White Christmas. It's not advancing. Or is it? It's a wonderful life. Makes me cry every time I 
watch it and don't judge me. <laughs> but I think my favorite movie we watch as a family on Thanksgiving Day in the evening. <laughs> I never tire of the scene in the, in the shower and I never tire of the snowball fight. I love the lights. This is my house. Some say I get a bit carried away. <laughs> I love music. Some of the, some of the kind of church songs we, we sing, Silent Night, Angels We Have Heard on High may be one of my most favorite. Actually, whatever we're singing is my most favorite at the time. Do you hear what I hear? Joy to the world. But I love the secular music as well. I'll be home for Christmas. Baby, it's cold outside. Frosty the Snowman. I know. I mean, Frosty the Snowman makes me cry. I don't know. <laughs> I, think, I think the most, my most favorite Christmas song, and I must, I must, I must listen to it. I'll confess to you, I have it on my phone and I put it on repeat and I just play it over and over and over. It's the most wonderful time of the year by Andy Williams. There are other people that sing it, but not like Andy Williams. And I can hear it in my head. It's the most wonderful time of the year. I like hearing him sing it. I like singing it to myself in the shower. But I love the song. I love the song because I do think it's just the most wonderful time of the year, and it just makes me happy to hear it. When I think about Christmas, I, I really think of it from two perspectives, and maybe you do as well, at least some of you. Really, I have two, as I've thought about it, two perspectives. One as a child, and as a child, I could hardly wait. The anticipation the night before was, was more than I could almost handle. It was a time of wonderment and joy, a time for gifts. My mom every year would have us write letters to Santa. And uh, that got me thinking, so I went online to, and I found some letters to Santa that I thought I might read to you. They're pretty cute. Dear Santa, I don't need anything for Christmas, but my brother Mike needs a new pair of shoes. Real bad. Size four, please. Love, Amy. Dear Santa, when you come to my house, there will be cookies for you. But if you're real hungry, you can use our phone and order a pizza to go. <laughs> Dear Santa, I want a puppy. I want a playhouse. Thank you. I've been good most of the time. Sometimes I'm a little wild. <laughs> this next one is from a four-year-old. It's great. I'll take anything because I haven't been that good. <laughs> and this is... This is, uh, this is one that actually plunges me back to when I was a kid, or actually not when I was a kid. Margie and I were married, but I had all my nieces and nephews, and we'd opened up all these gifts, and it reminded me of this, this letter. Dear Santa, I'm not going to ask for a lot. Here's my list. The Etch-A-Sketch Animator, two packs of number two pencils, Crayola fat markers, and the big gift, my own color TV. Well... Maybe you could drop the pencils. I don't want to be really selfish. <laughs> I remember when my nieces and nephews came along, I remember us open, I can see it in my head. We lived on Gale Street in Tulare. 
and there was presents and paper and packages everywhere. And we'd opened them all up, and I looked over, and my niece was crying. I said, what are you crying for? That's about how I do it. What are you crying for? And she said, I didn't get my TV. And I thought, oh, look at all you've got, and that's all you can think of. But that's a kid's perspective, and, and that's, that was my perspective. As an adult, it's different, though. Children don't have the economic and administrative pressures of Christmas that we adults do. There's the presents, Black Friday, meals and food to prepare, houses to decorate, Christmas cards to get out, office parties and more parties than we, than we know what to do with. And I, I admit, as an adult, there's never a Christmas that I don't at one time or another kind of dread it. And then there are those questions. We get asked them all the time. Are you ready for Christmas? <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> and then there's this one. Are you in the Christmas spirit yet? Or where is that Christmas spirit? I hear people go, I haven't got into the spirit yet. I'm hoping when I get done with this, whatever the this is, I can start to concentrate on Christmas. But isn't it true? Wouldn't we like to have a stress-free Christmas where we could just enjoy it? But there are so many distractions, so many gifts to buy, so many things to do that it's more like this for us. It makes us crazy. <laughs> and I know that's a little funny, but doesn't it? It makes us a bit crazy. And I think what happens to us as adults is we forget what it's all about. Probably except for Easter, think about this. Except for Easter, it is the most single important celebration day of the year that the world will ever know or has known. And it all gets lost in the confusion, doesn't it? Christmas, you know where we get it? Christ Mass, the worship of our Lord the anticipated Savior of the world. God himself was born to a man, was born a man, to ultimately die on a cross for the sins of mankind. I realize children anticipate the wrong things, but I think there's something we can learn from them. Why aren't we more like children, anxiously anticipating Christmas and the work of the Lord, anxiously waiting for what he's going to do in our lives and the lives of people we've been praying for. This is the way we are. But shouldn't we be more like this? Shouldn't our attitude and emotion scream, I can hardly wait to see what the Lord will do? I'd like to introduce you to a couple of characters. If you'd have your Bibles, I'd ask you to open them to Luke chapter 2, verses 21 to 38. We're going to look at Simeon and Anna. How many of you have ever heard of them? I'm, I'm impressed. Because they're, it, they're, they're two very almost obscure characters in the Christmas story. You don't see them in nativity scenes. You don't see them on Christmas cards. They won't show up in Christmas musicals. 
But they had something that we all should have. They were waiting with anxious anticipation for something, or more specifically, for someone. And I wonder if we shouldn't learn from their example. And I want to talk to you about them for just a moment. Luke chapter 2, verses 21 to 38. Typically, I, if you've ever heard me preach, I like to read the entire text and then come back and talk about it. But there's so much going on in here that I'm going to actually break it, read it in sections and break it down in sections so we don't get lost in it. So Luke chapter 2, we're going to read verses 21 to 24 to start. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus. The name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. So this is a, a purification ceremony. According to Jewish law, just to set the stage for you a bit, according to Jewish law, a woman was ceremonially unclean on the birth of a child. On the eighth day, the child would be circumcised, the male child, and the mother was considered unclean for another 33 days. At the, at the conclusion of that period, the mother offered a sacrifice, either a lamb or if they were poor, two doves or young pigeons. Along with this, the first son was to be presented to the Lord. In other words, just kind of like given to the Lord and then bought back with an offering. That's what's going on here. And all this played out in this narrative and shows how Jesus was reared by his parents in conformity to the law. He was even named in obedience to the Lord, Jesus. And so the Christmas story is continuing, and now all of a sudden, here comes these two characters. This is all going on, and you have first Simeon, Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 32. Now pay attention, because there's not, it doesn't happen, it doesn't, this doesn't um, play out very slow, very, it plays out quickly. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus to do for him what was custom of the, the law required, Simeon took him, Jesus, in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. A little bit about Simeon, quickly, is he is described as righteous. And righteous meaning that he was a good moral man. 
He's called devout, a, a term that might mean more to you is he, he's devoted. He's devoted to his Lord. He's devoted and committed to his beliefs. And he was waiting. He was waiting and anticipating. Hear these words. He was waiting and anticipating with expectation for the coming of the Messiah, our Savior. He knew it would happen. He was just waiting. Specifically, it says that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, when I hear the word consolation, and so often we have a tendency to put these words into modern-day kind of genre, if you will, I think of a consolation prize. But to help you to understand what he's waiting for when it says he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. Consolation is comfort, comforter, encouragement, encourager. And you need to know, again, the, the, the kind of the history of that particular day, things were not going well in the nation of Israel. Try to put yourself in their setting when he says he's praying for the consolation of Israel. Things weren't going well. They hadn't heard from God for many years. They were under Roman rule, and they had, they'd lost their freedoms. See, we can't hardly, we can't hardly um, understand that because we have so many freedoms. They didn't have any. They were living in fear of the king of the day. He was a cruel king. You know him as Herod. They maybe even wondered whether God heard their prayers or not. Have you ever felt that way? Many were probably even wondering if the Messiah would ever come. Do you know what it's like to be hurting and wondering whether or not the Lord even hears your prayers? I do. You know, the desire to be comforted is a universal need, human need, of all mankind. We all want it. We all need it. It is sad to me that if you read statistics, Christmas is one of the worst times of the year for a lot of people for depression, suicide. Everyone struggles with loneliness. Everyone does. Doesn't matter who you are. Everyone struggles with loneliness, emptiness, insecurity, and even depression. As I was thinking through this, I thought back to a day in the life of my wife and I. Things were not going well for us. It was in the early days. We were struggling. I knew something needed to change, but I never thought it would. We had only been married for a few years. Many of you know Margie, you know, you know our marriage. You know how you've seen us in the really happy days, but these were not happy days. There were feelings of rejection, fear, discontentment to the point that I took my wedding ring off, set it on a table, and I said, I can't do this anymore, and I walked out. Thankfully, she, she fought for the marriage. I'll tell you more about that in just a moment. Simeon, though, knew what at least I didn't know at the time, and that was that Jesus could and would bring comfort encouragement 
to our lives. Care and healing, he can and he will do that for you. Simeon was different than most people. He would never, he would never misunderstand the meaning of Christmas. He had expectation, focused every moment of every day on the comfort that the Christ would bring. He didn't know when it would happen. He just knew the time would come. He knew things would change. And finally, it happens. He sees the Messiah. And I catch myself wondering, what would that have been like? Because he waited day after day after day, and then finally he sees the baby. And I think he looked like that. The Holy Spirit had prompted Simeon to go to the temple at just the right time, on just the right day that Jesus and Mary, that Joseph and Mary were bringing Jesus to the temple. When Simeon looked at the baby, he knew God's promises had been kept. He was Emmanuel, God with us. He came to make everything right, to provide significance by his presence and to eliminate rejection, fear, and discontentment. And when he came into the life of my wife and I, he fixed it all. And then there's Anna. Luke chapter 2, verses 36 to 38. It says, There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, she was very old. Now pay attention to these words. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple. Imagine what that's like. We can't get people to come to church on Sunday, on Christmas Sunday. She never left the temple. But she worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that mo very moment, she gave thanks to God. And she spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. After her husband died, she dedicated herself to fasting and praying in the temple. Like Simeon, she was looking with anticipation and she was waiting. She was patient. Specifically, it says she was waiting for the redemption of Israel or the redemption that would come from the Savior. Now, that word redemption, if you know anything about Egypt and, and um, God through Moses taking the, the people out from under the... the um, the power of the Egyptians, and he took them out of the city and, and uh, the whole Passover and all of that. Is, he, he released Israel from Egyptian slavery. And that stood in the times of Anna as the ultimate redemption and the symbol of God's power to release captives. Have you ever felt like you're a captive? I have. Ultimately, Passover po pointed ahead to the day when God would provide deliverance from the slavery of sin. 
When she saw Jesus, she realized that before her was the one who would save his people from their sins. Anna and Simeon, and even Joseph and Mary, as I looked at these, at these, these characters, I picked up on three things that I'd like to leave you with today. Three observations about that come from either Simeon, Anna, or the parents of Jesus. And the first one is this. Do you marvel? Do you marvel at the work of the Lord? Think about that. Marvel. You're in awe of what the Lord does. Luke 2.33 says, The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. It was a Monday night, the first day of dove season, and I know that because I'd gone dove hunting that night. I came home, the pastor was at our house who we had invited to come over to tell us about this Jesus guy. That was the way I asked him. Some of you have heard this story. On that night, the pastor shared something. When I think about marveling, I think about that night. It was the first time I marveled at something. The pastor sat with us, and he looked at us. I felt like he was talking to me only. And he said, Tim, he probably didn't say Tim because he was talking to both of us, but that's the way I took it. Tim, do you know that you are a sinner? The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I said, oh yeah, I know that. I knew I was a sinner. I knew I was a mess. He said, do you know that sin, if something isn't done, will cause death? Not only physical death, but spiritual death. And he said it just like this. Do you know if you die in your sin, you will go to hell? The Bible says the wages of sin is death. I said, of course I know that. I knew I was, I knew I was on my way to hell. He said, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then he said, and this is what I was, I was just in shock when I heard it. And maybe it won't sound that shocking to you. But when you talk about Marvel, I still think about it. He said, Tim, do you know that God loves you? And I was like, whoa. I did not know that. I really didn't. I didn't think anybody loved me. I didn't think my parents loved me. I grew up in a pretty dysfunctional home. I didn't even think my wife loved me. I didn't think anybody loved me. And here he is saying, God loves you. And then he shared John 3.16, which many of you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And I said, I didn't know that. Do you know he loved you so much, Tim, that he died on the cross for your sins? And the Bible says that if you would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you would be saved. And I'm telling you, I still think back to it. And I think, why would God save me? And I marvel at that. Don't you? You ever think about it? I think it's so common to us. We don't even marvel at that. We want to argue. Why? We want to argue. Why, are, why do babies die? Why does someone I love die without Jesus? I don't know the answers to that. But I know he saved me. 
And I know that might sound a little selfish to you, but I'm in awe of that. Why would he pick me in the midst of everybody else? We ought to marvel at that. And really, I think that's the way I was that night. I was in awe. And I marveled at the Lord. And I still marvel at what he does. The second thing I would say is, are you moved by the Spirit? Speaking of Simeon, in verse 27, it says, Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. Both Simeon and Anna moved when the Holy Spirit prompted them. Why did they move? Because they were waiting. They were listening. They were paying attention. Do we wait with anticipation? Or can we hardly wait for Christmas to be over? Are we so busy that we wouldn't see a prompting of the Holy Spirit if he came down in front of us and hit us over the head with a giant candy cane? I'm serious. I'm being ridiculous. But sometimes we're so distracted, we don't even see the Lord working in our lives, and he's trying to move us to something. Some of you in this room may not know the Lord this morning. At the end of the service, some of the pastors are going to be up front. And if you'd like to give your life to Jesus, you can, like I did and my wife did with that pastor, you can come up and talk to us. We would love to pray with you. But the question is, you've got to move. They moved. We ought to be moved by him to live for him. Verse 34, I didn't mention, but I want to point something out to you. And this is, I'm writing to you from a theologian, and this is what he says. I am struck by what Simeon told Mary in verse 34. It must have taken her breath away. Quote, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. That's not really a joyful Christmas greeting, is it, he says. Simeon is not saying, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Rather, he pauses he clears his throat and he tells her, Christmas will never be merry and New Year's will never be happy until people get moving and surrender their lives to the Lord. So we can say Merry Christmas all we want. It's not merry if you don't know Jesus. And it ought to be merry if you do. And finally, the third thing that I observed, are you a messenger for the Lord? Are you a messenger for the Lord? You are, whether you want to be or not. Whether or not the message you're giving off is the right message is, is between you and the Lord, but you are a messenger. And in Luke 2.38, speaking of Anna, it says, coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. She spoke, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the children to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. Acts 1.8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Christmas is a, fine, is, a, is a prime time for us to share the gospel of Christ. 
but I fear it all gets lost in the busyness. I mean, if Christmas is all about Jesus, I'm glad you folks are here, but why is this room not packed? Because we, it's not, I mean, people have things going on and they have people, in, and I get all that. We, we talk about Jesus being the reason for the season and then we forget that. I hear Christians, they don't like to hear happy holidays. So they, someone says happy holidays and they go, Merry Christmas. And, and so what? Who cares what they say? If they don't know the Lord, it's not happy and it's not merry. Remember that song I told you about? It's the most wonderful time of the year. Actually, as much as I love the song, it is absolutely incorrect. At least partially. Certainly Christmas is a wonderful time of the year. But for us as believers, there should be no most wonderful time because every moment of every day ought to be the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas is not just a, a holiday that falls on December 25th. It's not just a season between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Christmas should be all year long in the lives of us as believers. We ought to live our lives like that. Merry Christmas to you. I mean that. Merry Christmas. And I really hope you know the Lord. And if you don't, I hope you will find him on this day. I have not completely been honest with you because I do have a favorite song. And I actually guilted Brian into singing it with us this morning. So the praise team is going to come back up. And we are going to close which, what, with what I think is one of the best worship Christmas songs ever created. Would you stand and let's worship together. And as we sing this song, our pastoral staff will be up here. If you'd like to come up and talk to us, please do. Hello? Yes. I have no guilt. So. <laughs>
You should clap. You know you like that song. Merry Christmas. Have a wonderful day. God bless you all. Christmas.